Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And this is where this podcast starts. We're talking about Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Daily MLB Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. This is the daily podcast we talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan, but please, I'm imploring you. Call me as my lower third. Where's my lower third? Where'd my lower third go? There it is. Call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last 10 years and for the last four seasons here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. And you can follow me, I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Well, guess what, folks? It's that time of the year. It's that glorious time of the year. It's that time of the year where it's the World Series. And we just finished, not too long ago, uh, game one of the 2022 World Series. It's funny. The World Series, many, many times, is the moments that we define a summer. It's going to be November in a couple of days. And yet we're having the moments that define the summer now, if I say most years, in terms of you know what's the dominant memory of that year in baseball, most of the time it's the World Series. Every once in a while, it's something else. Sometimes it's uh, the League Championship Series. Sometimes it's an event that happened during the regular season. But most of the time, it's the World Series. And this year is going to be defined by the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. And you know, I, I always say that when you go into the postseason, when the postseason begins, and this postseason seems like it's been going on for about five months now, there's always that moment when you're looking around at the teams. And remember when the Mets were in this? Remember when the Blue Jays were in this? Remember when the Rays were in this? The Cardinals? There are a bunch of teams that have been gone for so long, it's hard to remember they're even playoff teams. You look around at all the teams, you're like, which one of these players is going to have the career-defining moment. And it's fun to try to pick who it's going to be, but there's always someone who catches you off guard. What, did you pick Jorge Soler last year? Did you pick Rosario? Did you pick uh, uh, Will Smith getting that final out or Max Fried pitching beautifully? Is that who you had? I doubt it. Did you have the Red Sox beating the Rays to go to the ALCS? I doubt it. Did you have a check swing determine a spectacular series between the Giants and the Dodgers? Hell, did you have Max Scherzer getting a save for the Dodgers? I doubt it. Well, this year, now some names probably would have made sense. Sure, Bryce Harper made sense. I'll take that. I'll take that. But did you have the Alvarez walk-off home run? Did you have the way that the Yankees managed to sneak past the Guardians only to see them collapse in that postseason series, the ALCS with Houston? 
You just look around. Who's going to be the big hero? And for the first three innings of game one of the 2022 World Series, I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is going to be men versus boys. I thought that. I really did. There have been a couple of World Series that have been just such one team overmatching the other. The way the Red Sox beat the Cardinals in 2004, the Cardinals never had a lead in that entire series. And in 2007, the Red Sox blew out the Rockies in game one. The next three games were actually competitive, but no one ever remembers that. And then, you know, when the A's beat the Giants, aided by an earthquake in the middle of it, just felt like, okay, this is just, this is a team that's kind of sad. And I kind of thought that. When Houston won game, when Houston was up five nothing after three innings, Kyle Tucker hit two home runs. Justin Verlander hadn't let up a base runner, and I'm just thinking, you know what? Both teams had the same amount of rest. The Phillies, you know what? The bloom may be coming off the rose, and here we are. And then it happened, and. It, for first, it just looked like the Phillies were going to get one run and make it a 5-1 game. But then, bit by bit, clip by clip, Tucker home run, hit the home run in the second. And then Maldonado got a single uh, to make it 2-0. Okay. Then Tucker hits the three-run home run. It's 5-0. Castellanos, who will come up later, single. Okay, it's 5-1. to one. The Phillies are on the board. Then, boom who later made a great play defensively at third base, made it 5-3. Interesting. Could this be a ball game that we're having? And by the fifth inning, Rio Muto doubled to score Alvarez and Marsh to tie the uh, – I'm sorry, to score uh, uh, Marsh and Schwarber to tie the game. Rio Muto will come up again. And all of a sudden, what looked like was going to be a blowout game for the Astros – was tied and it was turning into a bullpen game. Now, here's where baseball is so darn weird. I actually picked the Astros to win this World Series. I'm not alone there. I said they were going to win in five. I thought the Phillies were, and I said this in the last episode I did with uh, Miller Thomas, which was I thought the Phillies were going to win one game in Houston. Because they had Nola, because they had Wheeler, I thought those were two excellent starting pitchers. And I thought for one game, either Nola would match up well against Verlander or Wheeler would match up well against Framber Valdez, and they would steal one game. And then I predicted when they went to Philadelphia, the Astros would just sweep them the rest of the way and end in five. And it could still happen that way, but the Phillies won game one not because they had a starting pitcher that matched a good start from one of the Astros starting pitchers, their starting pitch, both starting pitchers were bad. It was a bullpen game by the end of the fifth. And of the two teams, it was the Astros who had the spectacular bullpen. And to be fair to the Phillies and to the Astros bullpens, both did the job tonight. I mean, think about that. It was 5-5 after 5. And it went into the 10th inning, 5-5. Alvarado, Eflin, Suarez, all pitched shutout innings. Uh, Sarah Dominguez, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez 
pitched an inning and two-thirds of shutout baseball. But look at the Astros' bullpen. They got Abreu, got five key outs. Neris got an out. Montero got uh, three outs. Presley got the three outs. Ironically, it was Garcia who pitched the five shutout innings with the game on the line each pitch when the Astros wound up eliminating the Seattle Mariners. He had the lone blemish, and that cost him. But this was so, I mean, look, beyond the fact that the Astros had a 5 nothing lead, one of the glorious things about baseball is how thin that margin of error is, how thin the difference between winning and losing is. And boy, if you put money down in this game, there was a couple of moments that you must have been pulling your hair out. And if you're going to make any bets, go to Bet Online. It's your number one source for betting on football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the World Series, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. By the way, thanks so much for making Lockdown MLB your first listen. Make your second listen. Check out Lockdown Sports today from the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and get behind the scenes with local experts, insights that only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports today. It's available in this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Think about how close we got to a Astros victory. Beyond the fact that the Astros had the um, the five nothing lead after three innings, when the Astros were rallying in the ninth, and Altuve got the hit, he stole the base, and Pena lifted that fly ball to right. And who was in right field? Castellanos, not Harper. Harper's injury prevented him from being in the outfield. Castellanos, who is known as a pretty lousy defensive player, came running in and made a tremendous sliding catch with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Just imagine if he didn't slide properly, if he didn't get there in time, if he was the type of outfielder most people think that Castellanos is, if that just dropped right in front of him. Astros win this game. Nobody remembers his comeback. They think, hey, it was a nice, fun game. And the Astros are in complete control of this game. Then we go to the ninth, uh, to the 10th inning. Riomuto, who tied the game with a double, hits the go-ahead home run just over the head of Tucker, ironically, who hit two home runs that game. Okay. Uh, the Astros bullpen got into some more trouble, and they wound up having to pull in um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Stanek, who actually had a wonderful season and has been barely used this uh, postseason. He wiggles out of trouble. In comes David Robertson, one of the few active players who, who has a New York Yankees World Series ring. He gets that first out and then uh, allows the double off the wall by Bregman. And Tucker comes up. 
And you thought it, I thought it, we all thought it. We all, and even just, I didn't think he was going to hit his third home run and have it be a walk-off home run. But if he did, that would have to be one of the greatest performances in the history of the World Series. I thought he was going to get a hit. I thought, just I saw it in my head. He was going to get that hit, and it was going to drive in Bregman. But said he was a little too anxious. He struck out. And then Gurriel gets on, and the wild pitch happens. The minute the wild pitch happened, I thought, okay, that's it. That's it. The Astros are winning this game because the wild pitch. You have the the tying runs at third, the winning runs on second, a little bloop base hit wins it, and I could picture it. And that's one of the incredible things about baseball. Because there is that time, you know, I, I want some of the time between pitches. Sorry, my microphone just got out of this handle there. I want some of the time between pitches to be shortened, but I don't want them eliminated. Because you need that moment to imagine in your mind's eye, where's that ball going to land? How are they going to win this? And I thought Diaz was going to get that base hit. And then came that weird pair of the, the trio of pitches that came in. One, Robertson threw it high and in, and it barely missed Diaz. Barely missed him. And I'm sure every Astros fan was thinking, let it hit you. Let it hit you. Get on base. Have McCormick come up with the bases loaded. And with Robertson wild, a walk would tie the game. Or maybe he would just throw it right down the middle of the plate, and that would allow for a game-winning hit. But, of course, that's easy for us to say. That's easy for us to be sitting on our couch or sitting wherever we're following the game and thinking, let it hit you, because we're not the ones that someone's throwing a ball at. It'll hurt. Yes, even a curveball will hurt. Remember there was that moment when, what was it, the ball, Rickish, was it Maldonado or was it Riomoto that the uh, foul ball hit the hit his mask? I think it was Riomoto. It hit his mask, and you know his, his face mask fell off. And he had this moment like, oh, yeah, that was my face. Yes, he has a mask on, but I'm sure it's still not pleasant. Okay, so that one didn't hit him. And I'm positive that thought went through Diaz's head as well. Because the very next pitch, which was a ball, but he completely leaned into. And you could see it. You could see that he was leaning in to be have it hit him so he could pull the Rodney in Caddyshack and go, ow, my arm. He's like basically thinking, if I get another chance to get hit, I'm going to get hit. And if he turned his back a little, went into it, he probably could have sold a little better. But it just looked like the guy leaned in to purposely get hit. And good for the umpire for calling him out on that. Said, no, no, you get back there. It's ball three, but get back there. Robertson looked a little frustrated because, yeah, I think he thought it was a strike. But, you know, it it was a ball. Let's get over that for a second. Then 3-0. 3-0. And Diaz, who's... Postseason batting average is under 100. Coming off the bench, hacks at 3-0. Now, look, at I understand the mindset to a degree. It's 3-0. He knows there's a chance that he's going to throw a pumpkin right down the middle of the plate. And if that's the case and he gets a hit and they win the game, he looks like a hero. Or he can let it go. I would have forced him to throw two strikes load the bases up for McCormick with a chance to win the game. Again, 
All this is so easy for me to say from my couch. It just felt like that that was the route to go. Instead, he swings and misses, and then he winds up getting a ground ball to end the game. And then here we go. Now, the perfect postseason is over. There will be no perfect postseason for the Houston Astros. And pop out the champagne, members of the Big Red Machine, because you remain the only perfect postseason in divisional play history. The only team to run the table and not get a single loss since the advent of the League Championship Series when they swept the Phillies in the League Championship Series and swept the Yankees in the World Series. Of course, they only had to play a best-of-five League Championship Series and didn't have to play a, uh, a division series at all. The Astros matched them by winning the first seven, but alas, they didn't get it. And this upcoming game is the game that I think if I were an Astros fan, I'd be more nervous about. Wheeler is an excellent pitcher, and he's having a really, really terrific postseason. Now, Framber Valdez is as well. Framber Valdez is someone who is on the periphery of the Cy Young conversation in the American League. This should be a great pitching matchup. But then again, Verlander, given a five-run cushion, throwing a no-hitter, should have won that game. Should has almost nothing to do with reality anymore because we're seeing over and over and over again the thing that should not happen be happening. Look at I have a hard time kind of coming to grips of what I would feel if the Phillies win the World Series this year. They have a ton of players I really like and follow and everything like that. And, of course, I have many, many relatives who are Philadelphia Phillies fans. I'd be happy for them. But it also feels a little strange. You know, you have to give them credit if they win. If they beat the Cardinals and the Braves and the Padres and the Astros, you got to give them props. Part of me wants to see Dusty win badly. Now I'm rooting all in on the Astros tomorrow, completely in on the Astros tomorrow for this main reason. Because I can't figure out where I lean, I'm emotionally leaning a little towards having Dusty Baker win a championship as a manager. But now what I'm rooting for is a game seven because we know that one of the Dusty scenarios is not going to happen. He's not going to have the only perfect postseason in the wildcard era. So now I just want good games, and I want them to flip-flop, and I want to go to a seven game. So Wheeler's thrown for Philadelphia. Valdez is pitching for Houston. It's going to be a tremendous matchup, and we're already one game in, and this series is already bananas. Hey, is anyone here in the uh, chat? I've been I've not really been checking that out here. Uh, Jace Peer, who's one of our, our regular listeners is there. How you doing, Jace? Thanks so much for listening. Hey, a uh, strange wrinkle about this particular uh, World Series. And if you have anything you want to say, just write something in the chat. It'll be, I'll address it when I can. This is the first World Series of the 21st century that Joe Buck is not the announcer of. Think about that for a second. Every single 
World Series this century was called by Joe Buck. The last time the lead announcer for World Series was not Joe Buck, so when Bob Costas and NBC had the rights to the 1999 World Series between the Yankees and the Braves. 2000, since 2000, every year, every single year, Fox has had it. And Joe Buck has been the announcer. Now, let me just say, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I do not dislike Joe Buck. I think Joe Buck is a fine announcer. He's got a unique style. He's got a unique voice. He's a funny sense of humor. And he has a singular, unique, and certainly noticeable style of announcing a baseball game. He's clearly more interested in football than in baseball. But he, of course, comes from his Jack Buck's son. He pays tribute to his dad when he says, we'll see you tomorrow night. I think he's done a fine job as a World Series announcer. I just think he did too many of them. I think you need to mix it up. I think you need to have that narrator, that person, that companion watching the game with you, needs to be mixed up from time to time. I did like it growing up to the flip-flop between ABC and NBC when I was a kid. So some years you got Howard Cosell, Keith Jackson, and it was usually, I guess, Jim Palmer, Al Michaels. And then there were some years it was NBC where you would have Vin Scully and Joe Garagiola, and you would have Bob Costas and Tony Kubek. Eventually, Tim McCarver became part of it. You had different styles. You had different points of view. Al Michaels announced the game one way, which was marvelous. Joe Garagiola, who I think was the greatest announcer of all time, did it differently. There's so many great announcers out there. There's so many, such great talent that it got a little aggravated that every single time it was Joe Buck. Again, I'm not a Joe Buck hater. But it's like always going to Baskin and Robbins and ordering pistachio every single time. And you go, there are 31 flavors. You can order pistachio every time. Pistachio is great. That's one of my favorite flavors. But you mix it up from time to time. And so for the first time, and think about that, it's been uh, 20, this, it's been 22 years using the rule of seven. If you're a 28, 29-year-old baseball fan, you have no memory of anyone but Joe Buck announcing it. You know, when they have those montages, a lot of people put on YouTube of the final out of the World Series. Starting in 2000, every year it's a Joe Buck call. There's no mixing it up. Uh, by the way, when they do those, most of the time when they show the 2008, they show they show the TV clip, but they put on the Harry Callis call from the Philadelphia, which he died shortly after doing that. So I, I like that. So who do they have right now? The new announcer, they have to have a Joe with a simple last name. I mean, they couldn't go, they, they couldn't go all the way. Uh, Joe Davis is the announcer. He's an L.A. guy. Uh, he does a lot of Dodger games. Um, he did a fine job, inoffensive. I'm sure some people had a lot of bad things to say about him. I, he didn't do anything I found egregious. Uh, I would love it if Jason Benetti of the Chicago White Sox. I would love John Miller to go back and do a World Series game. He's one of the great ones. Um, uh, there's some other people I wouldn't mind seeing get a shot at it. But you know what? 
know, Joe Davis did a nice job. He was fine. He was unintrusive. He did the job. Uh, I didn't get goosebumps from any of his calls, but his first time, his very first job as an announcer, he gets himself a classic. So, uh, you know, welcome to the job of narrating and being our companion and being the person that when we see the clips from now on, it's their voice we're going to remember. Dan Shulman of ESPN is also very, very good. But he's with ESPN. He's going to do ESPN radio. So what are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. By the way, any other questions you want to throw into the chat, please, please feel free to do that. Um, yeah, there we go. This is uh, this is just uh, game one. This is game one. And there are many, many more to come. Do you know why I say that? Because I get the sense the Astros are going to win. And I get the sense because of that, we're going to go at least six and maybe seven. And this postseason is so crazy. Do you know what? This series may go eight. So thanks so much for making us your first listen. So we're available on all your free podcasting catchers. Once again, make the second listen. Be locked on sports today. Games that matter. The biggest stories in sports. Locked on today is available on this app. YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Celebrating game one of the 2022 World Series and wondering what's in store moving forward. This has been Locked On MLB for the 28th day of October 2022. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.